The month of Elul is the last month of the Jewish year, and it's the month that we use for preparation going into the first month of the year, which is Tishrei, a month full of high holy days. And there's a, a marshal, a parable from the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, in his Sefer Lekutei Torah, which helps us to understand what this month of Elul is all about. Now, it's a very well-known parable. It's become very well-known. But uh, it doesn't hurt to hear it again. So for the sake of clarity, I'll just repeat the basic metaphor uh, as described in Lekutei Torah of, uh, of the Alter Rebbe. The idea is like this. The Alter Rebbe introduces the fact that Elul, the month, is a time of his galas yud which in simple terms, if you could say it that way, means that the whole month is a time when Hashem's 13 attributes of mercy, meaning Hashem's openness to be compassionate and forgiving, is in a more revealed state than the rest of the year. In other words, it's a whole month where the energy of that month is the energy of forgiveness and opportunity and openness and approachability. And the Alter Rebbe asks a question. If indeed this whole month has this very special energy, well, you would think, based on everything I know about the way Jewish time works, when you have a special day where there's a special spiritual energy, it's generally a Shabbos-like day of rest, what we call a Yom Tov or a Chag. So if the whole month is a month where there's this special energy, the whole month should be one big Yom Tov. So the Alter Rebbe explains with a parable. And he says like this, actually, that's the whole point. The whole point is that Elul isn't one big Yom Tif. Elul doesn't have even one Yom Tif in it. it has Shabbos because Shabbos is Shabbos, the seventh day. That pattern is embedded in the fabric of, of reality. But there's no Yom Tif. There are no days of cessation of our regular, ordinary routine. To the contrary, Elul is a day when we're in the regular world, and that's the whole point because, and then he explains, once upon a time, there was a king, and the king was heading to his palace. And on the way to the palace, he went through a field, and when he was going through the field, all the people who were out in the field were able to go and approach him. He was very approachable at that time when he was heading through uh, the field. And once the king gets into the palace, now to see the king, you're going to need an appointment. Not everyone can get an appointment. And it's very exclusive. So this is the opportunity when the king is going through the field. This is when you can... Uh, sees the chance to go over to him and approach him and to go over to him in your field clothes, just as you are. Come as you are. Okay. And Al-Tarab explains that the field is Elul. Elul is this big field. It's not a Yom Tif. It's not a holy day, let alone a high holy day. It's just regular life. And in the regular life that we're living we can have this incredible experience of approaching Hashem and expressing our desire to be in a relationship with Hashem and to have Hashem reciprocate that with a smiling 
face. Uh, now, after that phase of being in the field, the king does go into the palace, which is Tishrei, the high holy days. But the beauty of it is if you already approached the king when he was walking through the field, <laughs> now you're set. You don't have to worry so much. Oh, I can't get an appointment to see the king when he's sitting in his uh, pent office suite in the corner office. Okay, no problem. I already approached it. We already made a deal. We already negotiated terms. Everything's fine. So I don't even have to worry about the fact whether or not I can get into the palace. I have everything set up. I, I spoke to him out in the parking lot. Don't worry. It's all good, right? I set it up. All right. Fine. So that is the... Uh, that is the metaphor of the king in the field. All right. Now, the question is, how do we teach this to children? Can we teach this to children? And, and, and the answer is, uh, yes, of course, of course. And not only we can teach this to children, we need to teach this to children. How else should children prepare for the high holy days? How else should children seize the opportunity of the month of Elul if we don't teach them this parable. Of course we should teach it to them and, and teach everything that it stands for and everything that it conveys, albeit on a child's level. So that's what I want to speak about uh, right now is how to teach the king in the field parable to a child in a meaningful way. Now, happens to be that I don't have to make this up. <laughs> sometimes we have to guess. Well, how would you do it? Yeah, sometimes you do have to figure out, how am I going to teach this? I, I mean, we do this all the time, by the way. When we teach adults, we do the same thing, right? You learn something, and you want to give it over to a, a certain audience, and you have to figure out, how do I make it accessible? How do I make it um, relevant? And so for, for a child, all right, so it's a little bit different process, but it's basically the, the essentially the same idea of taking an idea and figuring out how to package it and communicate it. So yes, of course we could teach Malach Basada, we could teach the king in the field parable to children. And we have to teach it to children. And, and if we had to figure it out for ourselves, we would figure it out for ourselves. I'm telling you, we're in luck because in this case, we don't even have to figure it out for ourselves because the Rebbe told us exactly how to do it. So that's what I want to share with you today. Um, I have three sikhs that I want to share with you. Um, the first one, I think I'll go in chronological order, is from Shabbos Parshish Re'eh, that means it was the Shabbos when they read par the Parsha of Re'eh. Uh, it was the Shabbos blessing the incoming new month of Elul. And uh, the year was Tav Shin Lam and Gimel. It was 19, uh, 1973, the summer of 73. Okay. So in this Sicha, at this Fabrengen, this Shabbos Fabrengen, the Rebbe says the, the famous mushal, the famous parable from the Alter Rebbe, from Lekutei Teira, and then proceeds to explain that not only can we explain this to a child, but in some ways, a child can relate to this parable 
even better than an adult can relate to it. Even better than an adult. So, how so? First of all, I want to just preface by saying, before the Rebbe explains how to explain it, uh, the Rebbe says that, I'm just looking here in the text, that, Certainly this parable is relevant even to small children. The Rebbe doesn't just say children, but to small children. Um, if provided, if we, if we explain it to them, as is necessary, meaning you do the adequate amount of explanation, and with chayis. Chayis is with excitement, with passion. In other words, if you're passionate about it, when you explain it to them, it's much more likely that they're going to understand. I was in 770 the other day. And a shlich came over to me and he said, I'm starting a new shlichus in a particular town, a certain type of a community. He described to me the demographic of the people and what kinds of things they're into. He says, I want to start a new shir chassidus. I want to teach them chassidus. Um, what should I study with them? And I said, what should you study with them? Whatever you're excited about. Because at the end of the day, people don't flock to a, a text or a subject matter. They're drawn to a person, to a relationship. And when you are on fire, when you're excited about something, everyone else will be excited as well. So I said, teach whatever you're excited about. It. I don't, don't worry about it. It could, it, it could be a Perek Tanya, it could be Sefer Marmorim Yiddish, it could be Samach Vav, whatever you're excited about. Okay. So that's, that's the first thing. We have to get excited. We have to get excited about this idea, and then we have to explain it to our children like it's something that's actually interesting to us. Okay. Now, how do we explain to them? What do we explain to them? So here's two points. This is from the Sicha of Shabbos Mavorchem Chedesh El Tavshin Lamed Gimel. One thing that Abba says, when you explain to the child this metaphor, you should have in mind that from a child's perspective, there's a detail here that actually may be even more meaningful for a child than it is for an adult. And that is that an adult, he hears this metaphor, okay, the king's in the field now, so this is my chance. He'll get to the palace, and I'll have to schedule an appointment, and who knows if they'll even give me an appointment. It's going to be much more difficult to approach the king, okay. But here's the thing. An adult at least is in the category of someone who may actually gain admittance to the palace, a child, children, children are often excluded from entering certain places that are grown-up places. Children know what it's like to be told, you're a kid, you can't come in here. I was, this morning, I was having my coffee before I headed off to davening, and I asked, uh, I was talking to my wife about this sicha, and uh, one of our daughters was, uh, was in the kitchen there, so uh, I think she's uh, eight years old. And I said to her, isn't that what life is like for a kid all the time? You're always being told, oh, you can't come in here, no kids allowed. She said, yeah, that's always happening. I said, so think about this. The king's about to go in the palace. Once the king's in the palace, an adult, it's hard for an adult to get in, but maybe the adult could get in. A kid, a kid knows he can't get in. There's no way. They're not letting kids in, right? But the king's in the field. Ah, now's my opportunity to get to the king. So a child can 
relish that idea and savor that idea of the king is accessible now in the field. I can get to him now. A child can get that so much better than an adult because a child knows that idea of just not being able to gain entry to certain places. Um, it's interesting that Ebbe also mentions that the, the adult could even think to himself, if I can't get in in any other way, at least maybe I could apply to be one of the king's cabinet. Maybe it's, it's not so likely, but I could be uh, one of the sorim, I could be one of the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the ministers in the, the king's government, and then I would work in the palace and I would have access to the king in the palace. A kid has no such uh, illusion. What are you talking? A kid? A kid can't be hired to work to work in the palace. It's never going to happen. Okay, so that's one thing. And when you're explaining it to your child, you can really build that up because they know what it's like to not be able to gain entry somewhere, and then to be able to approach the king before he gets to that place that's inaccessible. It's just all the more exciting. All right. Now, here's another thing. The Rebbe says the Eid chiluk being caught in Lagodal. Here's another difference between an adult and a child where the child actually, again, will appreciate the Malach Basode parable much more than an adult. And that is, and this just struck me, I, I hope this doesn't sound crass or cavalier to say this, but it always astounds me when the Rebbe describes, and there's many places where the Rebbe describes the perspective of a child. And you're talking about a sicha, there's a Tavshin Lamed Gimel, so the, the, the Rebbe at this time is, uh, is, is 70 years old. I can't remember what I, what I felt like as a child until I look at this sicha, and then the Rebbe is 70 and describing what it, felt like and how the world looked to us when we were children. And then I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's what it was like. How is someone who's 70 years old and who didn't have his own biological children, how is he able to relate so easily <laughs> to what a child's perspective of life is like? It always blows me away. And, and honestly, my only answer to it is that it's the same way that Ebba was able to relate to everybody, to people from all walks of life, scholars and laymen and leaders and entrepreneurs and, and politicians and rabbis and men and women and young and old. How did the Rebbe relate to everyone? It, it, it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's what we call neshama klolis, an aggregate soul that is connected to, to all the other souls. And I guess from that perspective, relating to a child is, is um, from a Rebbe's perspective, is just uh, a, another form of that type of unique empathy that a Neshama Klawless is capable of. Of course, the Rebbe can think about what life is like from the perspective of a child. But it's just astounding when you read it because it's so much like, how did the Rebbe know? Did the Rebbe spend his whole day with children? Like, he didn't have his own biological children. Like, maybe you would tell me he, he, he taught pre-1A and he was, he was dealing with children all day long. It's okay, fine. So maybe I would believe it. But 
for somebody who's <laughs> running a massive operation with all the organizational duties that Ebba has, dealing with adults, who I guess sometimes act like children, but then also the scholarship that, that Ebba's steeped in all of these, these lofty spiritual matters, um, preparing for the Fabrengans and editing uh, the, 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 uh, the texts, the books, and to be able to relate to how a child experiences life, it's just, to, to me, it's astounding. Um, so listen to what the Rebbe says. An adult may be in, an, in, a, in a situation such as described in the parable where the king is in the field and the, and the adult has an opportunity to approach the king because the king is now accessible, and yet the adult may not seize the opportunity because of self-consciousness. The Rebbe says, because the, the person feels such reverence for the king, he hesitates to approach the king. A child, however, what the Rebbe says, first of all, the Rebbe says, we see for ourselves, it's empirically obvious, anyone who's seen children, although I wouldn't have thought it on my own, but once the Rebbe says it, you're like, yeah, that's so true. Children don't refrain. They don't hold back that when they see something or someone that they know is a big deal, they don't go hide. They run straight to that interesting, engaging, exciting thing. So the parable of the king being accessible in the field is actually more something a child can relate to in a certain respect than an adult, because a child could actually see himself in that field saying, yeah, there's the king, I'm running straight to him. <laughs> and then the devil brings in a, a proof from Torah, from a medrash, there's a medrash uh, Shmeis Rabba, uh, Perik Aleph, that... Uh, describes the childhood of Meshe Rabbeinu, or the infancy. When Meshe Rabbeinu was a little child, he was raised in Pharaoh's palace. We all know the famous story of how Basia, the daughter of, of Pare, rescued the baby Meshe from, from the basket floating on the Nile, and she brought him into the palace to raise him in the palace. So there's a medrash that says, and this is a famous medrash, every little kid learns this in, in, in kindergarten, that Meshe would sit on Pare's lap, and he would grab his crown because Moshe already had regal aspirations. He had that, that royal uh, personality from birth. So he, wa he wanted to grab the crown. He was constantly grabbing the crown. Now, Pare felt threatened by this. And he said, why is this kid grabbing my crown? Is he, is he a usurper? He's a, he's a future uh, uh, rebel. He's going to overthrow the, the monarchy. So if you know... Pare had three advisors, three famous advisors. Um, Bilam Arosha, the wicked Bilam, the, the sorcerer. Uh, Eov, Job, the one who famously suffered, who was tested by God. And Yisrael, Yisrael, the future father-in-law of, of Meish Rabbeinu. And... Uh, there are other medrashim about this tribunal of, of advisors about how uh, Bilam would vote for bad stuff against the Jews and Eov would, would abstain, he'd be silent. So Mida Kineged Mida, Hashem was silent through his suffering. Yisra was usually the good guy. He would try to do something good for the Jews. And then I guess part of his reward was that he became a Jew. But uh, 
it's interesting. Yisroi says to Pare, no, 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 no. He's not grabbing the crown because he's drawn to the symbol of monarchy. It's not like he's trying to take power for himself. It's because it's shiny. He's just a baby. He'll grab anything that's shiny. You want to see? Put a glowing coal in front of him. He'll grab that too. But you want to know something? Misha didn't grab the glowing coal. He was not interested in the glowing coal. He was interested in the crown. He wanted, He was grabbing the crown it, because it was the crown. He wanted the crown. He didn't want the coal. So what happened, if he wouldn't have grabbed the coal, then Pare would have said to Yisrael, oh, you see, he didn't grab the coal. He really is trying to steal my crown. So the Malach Gavriel, the Archangel Gabriel, came and he pushed Misha's hand to grab the coal and put it in his mouth. And that's when he singed his lips and he became covered pay, he became uh, speech impaired from that time. But at any rate, this is the source that when a child sees something good, he doesn't hide from it. He, he goes straight for it. Now, I want to share with you a, uh, a story. And it's just such a touching story and just a little vignette, a little slice of life. But uh, this happened in... Uh, 1978, I believe, there was a mother and she went to 770 on Shabbos to say good Shabbos to the Rebbe. Okay. And she brought with her her four-year-old son. Now, I think it's a public thing. I think it was actually printed in a in a chura in a in a wedding souvenir, which my friend uh, David Zaklakovsky from Hasidic Archives shared with me. So I think it's okay to say who the four-year-old boy was. He was uh, little Menachem Levy, and when his mother said good Shabbos to the Rebbe. Now you have to understand, the Rebbe, all you have to do is watch videos of the Rebbe coming out of 770, and you're going to see people gave the Rebbe space. <laughs> the Rebbe can walk into 770, was packed, and the sea would part, right? Everyone gave space, because the, there's that awe, there's that reverence. And also, you should know, like, even when you see videos of dollars, Chassidim, they would, they would stand in a very reverent way, um, and they would never shake the Rebbe's hand. They wouldn't. Sometimes, strangers, people from other communities who had different customs and different ideas about a tzaddik, they would they would touch the Rebbe or shake the Rebbe's hand. Chassid would never. I mean, sometimes you you, you see that Chassidim barely want to look into the Rebbe's eyes. There's just there's this feeling of of reverence, like you don't stare into the sun, sort of thing, and. Uh, if you understand that cultural context, then you'll understand the significance of this four-year-old Lubavitcher boy walking straight up to the Rebbe on Shabbos, and he <laughs> stuck out his hand, and he shook the Rebbe's hand, and he said, Good Shabbos, Rebbe! Good Shabbos, Rebbe! He shook the Rebbe's hand. Okay. After Shabbos, the mother was, uh, she was so embarrassed about her child's conduct she went to Maskiris, to the secretariat, and she left a letter there begging the Rebbe for forgiveness and expressing her pain, 
That was the word that she used, that she was deeply pained by this breach of protocol, this breach of etiquette, breach of decorum, how her son didn't know any better, he didn't know, and he went over and he shook the Rebbe's hand. So there's a mina, an answer, that uh, it's dated, Chov Dalet Tamos, yeah, I said Tov Shalom Ches, yeah, that's right, 1978. And where the woman, where the mother wrote, I was deeply pained about what my child did, <laughs> the Rebbe wrote, Hare Adaraba. <laughs> to the contrary, quite to the contrary, au contraire. This caused a lot of pleasure. Nachas, nachas ruach. This caused me a lot of delight. There's no way to quantify. There's no way to estimate. The great heartfelt quality of a, uh, of a child and the simplicity of a child and the, the purity of a child and the, and the truth of a child. How many words is there? Amitius. You have four different uh, qualities here. It's impossible to describe adequately, adequately a child's uh, qualities in those areas. And if only adults would have even a smidgen of that, even a little bit of that, a trace of that, if adults would have a little bit of that. So uh, that was the Rebbe's answer. Oh, and then one other thing, what the Rebbe says uh, in this response, Especially that this happened. Remember, I told you it happened on Shabbos. It was Shabbos Parshas Pinchas. Shabbos Parshas Pinchas that year was the first year of the three weeks. Sometimes it's Matas, sometimes it's Pinchas. But whatever the first Shabbos of the three weeks is, there's a special Haftorah called, well, there's three Haftorahs, three weeks of Haftorahs, the Tlose, the Paranusa, the three um, Haftorahs of tribulation, of uh, calamity. So the first week, which that week was the Haftorah that they read that week on Parshish Pinchas is a, is a, a selection from Yirmiyahu from the prophet Jeremiah, where he speaks about, <laughs> Hashem tells the prophet, remind the Jews, uh, speak to them about chesed nuraych, the kindness of your youth, speaking directly to the Jewish people in second person, uh, also in the feminine, because we're describing the Jewish people in the feminine as a... Uh, like a, a bride who uh, followed her beloved out into the wilderness. This is the the Chesed Nurayach that it describes there. The the Pusik says, Zacharti Loch, I I I, rem, I remind you, I hereby remind you, Chesed Nurayach, the kindness of your of your youth. How you followed after me in a wilderness in a land that had not been planted. In other words, the Jewish people didn't tell Hashem, where are you taking us? Are there any restaurants there? I mean, it's an uncivilized place. No. When Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, when He took us out of Egypt, we just went with Him. We said, wherever you're going, we're going. It doesn't matter where, we're with you. 
and that's called Chesed Noraich. Chesed Noraich is the kindness of your youth. So the Rebbe says in this answer to this mother, you're apologizing to me that your little four-year-old wanted to come over and shake my hand. It's beautiful. It was such a sincere display. And it's so appropriate to this Shabbos of Shabbos Parshas Pinchas, or of the first week of the three weeks, because we read in the Haftorah that, that Hashem told Yermio, go remind the Jews of Chesed Nurayach, about the love that your youthfulness displayed. That when you were childlike, when you were innocent and childlike, you showed such kindness, such love for Hashem. So um, that's another aspect of, remember we were talking about Melech Basada, that that's another aspect of Melech Basada, of the king of the field, that's even more applicable to, to children than adults because the child is actually the one who would go for it. He sees the king, I love the king, I'm going to go talk to the king. Uh, also interesting, I should bring this out because it's easy to miss this, it's just a line, it's just a line here in this sicha where the Rebbe says that the child, of course, would have to have had it explained to him previously about the preciousness of the kink, because on his own, he might not understand that. However, if it were explained to him, then automatically, automatically the childlike reaction would be, oh, this is the great king they told me about. Go right to him. So it's interesting. First of all, the opposite reactions of children and adults. The adult is going to run from the great king they told them about. The child's going to run to the great king they told them about. But another point here is that in order for the child to have that reaction, the adults would, would have had to prepare the child. So it's important if we want our child to feel like the malach is someone worth running to, you have to tell your child about the Melech and tell them how great the Melech is. But don't be afraid because kids are not like us. If you're going to tell them how great the king is, how awesome the king is, you're thinking, oh, no, maybe I'll tell him how awesome the king is. He'll run away from the king. No, no, no. He's a kid. <laughs> you tell him how awesome the king is. He's going to run straight to him. Okay. Now I want to share with you another thing. This I originally found in one of my favorite svarim. It's called the Rebbe Kinder. And uh, it's mostly Sichas to Tzivas Hashem rallies. That's mostly what it is. It's the Rebbe speaking to assemblies of children, which is quite unique in the history of Jewish leadership to have uh, a, a leader of Klal Yisrael addressing not just groups that include children, but groups entirely made up of children and to have special addresses just for them, just sichas, just for the children. Um, so that's what the Rebbe Kinder, that's Yiddish for the Rebbe speaks to children, but it, it, they have it in, in English, they have it in Hebrew, they have it uh, in, in French, they, they have it in a lot of languages. And I want to highly recommend it, something that in our home uh, we learn a lot with the kids. So in the Rebbe Kinder, uh, the section is Chedish Elul, and it's on page 30, there's uh, there's a section called Elul men kert zich um von sade summer camp zum Stadt. Elul is we're coming back from summer camp, which is the field, and we're going into the city. In other words, reframing the whole field and city parable 
as the child returning from camp going back to school. So this actually is composed of two different sikhas, Yud Alul Tafshimem Ches and Yud Base Alul Tafshimem Base. Okay, 1988 and 82. So I took a look at the original sikhas, what they have in common. Um, they're not Sifas Hashem, but what they are is they're the camps on the final day, and, and this was something that was, was sort of a, a, a tradition for many years, that the last day of camp, there were times when the camps would come to 770, to, for a visit, like in the middle of camp. But uh, this is specifically on the last day of camp. So there was, a, there was a tradition of on the last day of camp, so the campers and the staff would come to 770 and the Rebbe would speak to them sort of as a, an official transition from now you're ending camp and you're going back home. So that's what these two addresses are, Yud El Tavshim Ches and Yud Beis El Tavshin Mem base. And uh, I know at least in one of them it says clearly in the Hanukkah in the transcript that it was Parksville, Ganyusel Parksville, and Camp Amuna. So there was a group of boys and also a group of girls. Um, not sure the other year was the same camps, but at any rate, it was the same idea that the children had just finished camp and they were privileged to hear directly an address to them from the Rebbe. Um, so <laughs> just, again, astounding how an adult, the Rebbe, is relating to the perspective of a child in such, a, such an empathic way. The Rebbe describes in these, these sikhas here, the whole Melech Basadeh, <laughs> it's incredible, is really perfectly timed to describe what's going on in the rhythm of a child's life exactly at this point in the year. Because <laughs> Elul, for an adult, what's Elul? You know, people ask me sometimes questions like, oh, is your workday different in the summer than in the winter? Well, I don't know. I mean, what am I, a child? I mean, I, it's, it's, uh, since I've been an adult, summer, winter, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what season it is. It's a, you, you work every day. That's what it is. Um, but children, if you remember what childhood is like, summer is a different pace. Summer is really different. Your life is totally different. And if you go away to camp, then literally you're picking up from one environment, which is totally familiar. You're at home, go to school, you go back home, go to school, and that's your routine. And then you break that whole routine and you leave that and you go to this whole other environment called camp. So that's a really big change. If you're a child, that's a, summer is really different. Now, the beauty of summer camp, and that Ebba spoke about this many, 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 many times, is the immersive factor. That when you're in camp, you're surrounded by Jewish things. And so therefore, it's very easy to get inspired and to take on good practices. So the whole advantage of summer camp is it's really, it's a time where it's relatively speaking easy to get enthused, get, get inspired, and to to start to do things on a higher level. Now, what do you see? You see that precisely 
the fact that summer camp is so conducive to inspiration, uh, that itself is often followed by a certain struggle or letdown when the child comes back from camp. Think about how many children come back from camp and they're on fire, chitas and sefer mitzvahs, and they're so excited. And then how long does that last until like the first week of school, second week of school, and then the drudgery of regular day-to-day life sort of sets back in and then all that camp spirit is uh, a thing of the past. So the Rebbe is speaking to the children and saying, look, Melech Basada is your marshal. <laughs> you think, think about this. The Alter Rebbe wrote this parable, the king in the field, to over 200 years ago to, to, to describe the Kabbalistic concept of his galas yud gimel midas arachimim as a hachona to the, the spiritual quality of Roshon and Yom Kippur. And now comes the Lubavitcher Rebbe seven generations later and says, yes, and, <laughs> yeah, all of that's true, and let me spell out on, a, on another level, let's bring it even closer to uh, relevancy, and let's just explain it like this. What's the, what's the Sada? What's the Feld? The field? Well, literally, quite literally, camp. <laughs> camp is literally, you're out in the field. You're out in the in nature, in the big, wide open place, especially if you're a kid from Brooklyn, you go up, go up to the to the country, you're literally in the field. Okay, so the sada, the field, is camp. And during camp, it's so easy to get inspired because you're just immersed in this inspiring atmosphere. Um, and that's like the king being in the field. It's so easy to approach the king, accessible easy. But what happens is the king goes to the palace. Oh, now the king's in the palace. Uh, Now it's a little bit more difficult, a lot more difficult how I'm going to access the king. That's like school. (laughs) That's like the rest of the year. Now the king's in the palace. It's like, how do I get inspired during the regular year? In camp, it was easy to get inspired. During the regular school year, it's very hard to get inspired, just like it's hard to go see the king once he's already in the palace. So here's the beauty. Here's what the Rebbe says. The king is in the field on his way to the palace to prepare you for the king being in the palace. That if you connect to the king properly when he's in the field and approachable, this is going to serve you well later on when he's in the palace and he's not approachable. In other words, if you get excited in camp, when it's easy to get excited, and then you Hold on to that inspiration and understand that the whole point of the field experience, the camp experience, is to unpack it slowly over the rest of the school year. So when you head into the the city, the capital city, which is like being in school, or for us grown-ups, it's like the high holidays, (laughs) but for a kid, it's the transition back to the school year, you have this camp experience to carry you and to to lift you and to unpack from when you are in the in the rest of the year when you've when you've left the excitement of camp so really a malach basada in a really accessible way is like this <laughs> what is the field camp what is the palace? 
school. <laughs> so if you can get excited about Hashem when you're in camp and have in mind that the whole purpose of that is to carry it with you when you're in school, then you're going to have an easier time in the, in the school year. Just like if you make sure to make your connection with the king when he's in the field, this is going to carry you when the king is in the palace. I mean, I don't even go to camp, but that, that, that's a great marshal. What is a marshal after all? What's the whole point of a marshal? A metaphor is to take a lofty concept and to make it accessible by bringing it down into the familiar. So <laughs> the Alter Rebbe took the idea of Yud Gimel Midas Harachmim, his Galus Yud Gimel Midas Harachmim, and he turned that into a king in a field. And the Rebbe takes that another notch to uh, to relevancy and says, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's camp. <laughs> the king is in camp. But if you met the king when you're in camp, then you're going to be okay when, the, when you're in school. Okay, so I hope that this inspires parents in the way that they will communicate to their children. I hope also in addition to that, or probably even as a prerequisite to that, that this has inspired parents, the way they speak to their own inner child, the way you speak to the child that, that each one of us still is. In Hashem's eyes, we're still his beautiful, sweet, lovable, pure, innocent children. So if you can speak to your child, your inner child, about these beautiful ways of understanding the king in the field and this time of year. Uh, this should give us that highest that Rebbe described that's necessary for conveying it well to your actual children. And I want to wish everybody to have a really awesome Elul of just excitement and, and, and spiritual discovery and spiritual wonder and a feeling of being engaged in your relationship with Hashem that's just so real that it becomes automatic almost to go straight into Tishrei with all of the, the adequate uh, reverence that we need. But it should just be like a natural extension of this sensitivity that we're, we're able to easily access this month while the king is in the field. Okay? So, uh, and, and especially if your kids are coming back from camp right now. This is an important talk. You know, if you could bring them to 770 and the Rebbe could welcome them back from camp and explain to them, kids, Malach Basada isn't just uh, in the books. It's your life. Camp was the field. School is the palace. Get ready. You left the field. You're going into the palace. So if we can't bring them to the Rebbe in 770 to tell them that, then Shliach Sha'odim Kamei say, Mamish, you have to be the Rebbe's representative. You have to tell your kid that that's what's happening right now. And it's no coincidence, everything is Hashgacha Pratis, that this happens at this time of year. It happens always right around now when uh, Elul is coming. Okay, a sweet, healthy, happy new year for you and your kids.